0: So, Psalm 57. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge, till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heaven. Let your glory be all over the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heaven. Let your glory be over all the earth. God, I, uh, I pray for this morning. Um, God, may you be glorified through this message. God, I pray that you convict and, and challenge us. God, we thank you for your word and the way you speak to us. God, I, I pray for our fellowship this morning, and may we make much of Jesus through this worship and then into our, our new week. Amen. So today we're going to cover four main points. So this psalm is David writing, and David is writing while he's hiding in a cave as King Saul and King Saul's army are pursuing him and trying to kill him. Now King Saul wants to kill David out of jealousy because he knows that David is next in line to be king and he is hunting him down and searching to kill him. So let's keep that in mind that David is writing this psalm while hiding out in a cave. And like I said, we're going to look at at four things that God is to David that he also can be and should be to us. I think throughout this message, let's remember that temporary things of this world are going to try and tell you that they can take the place of these four things that we cover today but only God can truly be them this world will constantly try and replace God for each one of these things but living our lives to the fullest and being who God fully wants us to be God will be each one of these four things and before we jump in I want to look at how David starts out this psalm be merciful to me O God be merciful to me. Let's hear the desperation in David's voice. I mean, he's hiding out in a cave as Saul and a bunch of bad dudes are chasing after him. And he's crying out in desperation to God. So let's remember that too, that he's, he's in a cave and there's just this desperation in David's voice. So number one, as we dive in here, God is refuge. So we see here in verse one, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until the storms of destruction pass by. So I think, you know, refuge is not like a common word that we use frequently today, right? Like, Demarcus, when's the last time you used the word refuge? Probably not. Ne- yeah, probably never. So it's, it's not a very common word. So what does it mean? So to take refuge is to seek refuge shelter from something that will provide safety. And so I was trying to think of a, an example or a story about refuge, and I gave Jason a heads up that I was gonna share a story about him. Um, I didn't tell him what that story was gonna be. Um, so our senior year of high school, Jason, one way or another, loved to make some of the guys that I played sports with, he loved to make them angry, and would talk a little trash, you know, Um, maybe kind of pick at them a little bit. And and one time he did that to a teammate of mine who had a temper problem. And it was not a great idea by Jason, but he he rolled with it. Um, And so he gets out of school early and he runs to his Jeep to seek refuge from this guy who played football, baseball, everything with me, who was mad at Jason. Jason had about a 10 minute head start to get to his car. So he takes off, gets to the car, he's hiding out there. I think he's still talking a little trash. Out the window, um, the kid walks up. So Jason thinks he has refuge in his car. The kid walks up, like, "Hey, man, what are you? What are you saying? I heard you've been running your mouth." What Jason didn't realize is he didn't roll his window up. So the kid reached in the window, hit Jason real quick, and his Jeep was not a great refuge. So just a, an example there of of what refuge is, and I, I think you know it's a, a goofy example, but I think this world will constantly try and display. A refuge that might feel safe But in all reality That window still rolled down So if we look at The background of Saul chasing David And trying to kill him Like I mentioned um, David is next in line to be king of Israel He's next in line to be king of Israel Saul gets jealous And is chasing David David seeks refuge in this cave But that cave is not truly his refuge In the same way that Jason's Jeep wasn't truly a refuge, this cave, while it keeps David's physical body safe, it is not the actual refuge. David knew that true safety from Saul wasn't found in a cave, but rather found in his relationship and the provision provided from God. David's fear was also kept in check because he kept his focus on the one who was in control. His physical body is hiding in the cave and his focus is on the God who is control despite the danger that is searching for him and surrounding him. And he says, my soul takes refuge. David's soul is provided shelter. It's kept safe from the storms of destruction. David has seen throughout his life that God will provide this refuge for him. David knew his eternity was safe in his relationship with God. And because of that, he trusted that his life was safe. His life was in the shadow of God's wings. God is the almighty refuge forever, despite what is chasing after us. And we see through David that God is the refuge through any storm. Not only can he be our our physical refuge and our physical safety, but he's our eternal refuge for our soul. So as I'm studying this, You know, I I think it's natural as you're diving into Scripture, you start looking at your life, and I think God kind of points things out. And to me, I was asked, like, what is my refuge in the midst of a storm? In the midst of the threats of this world, where do I find refuge? And I think whether or not we know it, we're all searching for refuge. I think we're all searching for refuge. We're searching for peace, and that peace only comes through eternal refuge but temporary things are gonna fight to be that refuge. And they're all imposters, whether it's alcohol, whether it's, hey, I've had a tough day, I'm stressed out, things are too hard, I want a couple drinks to help me fall asleep. And then that becomes a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday thing, because you start finding refuge in that temporary, temporary release from alcohol. Whether it's drugs, same thing, it falls into that same searching for a quick release from the darkness and the hard times that we all face. It can also be things like relationships. Relationships can be a refuge. Hey, I'm, I'm scared. Life is tough. I'm going to put everything I have into this relationship. So it's not necessarily only bad things that try and act like a refuge, but good things that can act like a refuge, but aren't an eternal, all-powerful refuge. It can also be money and career that was a, a tough one for me. I put a lot of time and effort into work, and I don't think that's a bad thing, but when it becomes the thing, when it becomes the refuge, that's when it becomes fading, and it, it doesn't live up to the promises of an eternal refuge. And one thing, too, is, is when life gets harder and harder, when the storms close in, when temptation is rolling in, it makes sense to run for refuge. I think it's a natural thing to run to refuge and to run to the refuges, refuges that we know. And I think the enemy wants us to find refuge in sin and believe that we are covered by that false refuge. That sin might give you a temporary physical sense of refuge, but it's eternally damaging. Another one for me, as, as I was diving into this that's, that's been kind of convicting, and I think it's a good illustration of our physical presence versus where your spirit and where your focus might be. Um, I want to ask about our, our phones. How many of us find refuge in our phones? I think of myself. Rachel and I took a trip to, to Nashville, and there was a big concert in town. I think, um, I don't know if do you remember who it was. There's it was an old big hair band from the 80s. I had no idea who they were, um, Everybody in the hotel was talking about it. And we kept kind of getting pulled into these conversations and I noticed myself each time pulling my phone out. Okay, I don't, I don't know who Montley Crue is. I'm gonna pull my phone out and hide from this conversation. I was finding refuge in my phone. Rachel shared a story yesterday where we have a, a coffee shop. We live in Ludlow and there's a small coffee shop um, and a kid was hanging out there letting people know, hey, we've got a group. We're going to clean up trash later today. We're gonna to clean up the city do some good. And person after person is just looking at their phone, ignoring this kid. Um, and one of the things that I love most about Rachel, she does such an amazing job of being present. And I think that was a great example where she took the time, talked to this kid, learned more about the community. And I think that's really important. Because I think there's a lot of conversations where we are pulled to refuge in our phone, where God has something greater for us through that conversation and through where we're at. And then kind of shifting gears a a little bit. I think it's important to know it's not if life is going to get hard, but it's when life is going to get hard. And I think we have to know when life gets hard, trusting God and trusting his plan and his provision and ultimately his salvation is the only true refuge. So again, what is refuge? More specifically, what is refuge for our soul? God provides us that safety and protection from anything this world can throw at us. So I'm going to look at Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. I think it's important to note that God as refuge is referenced over 40 times throughout Psalms. I would say David's trying to, you know, really, really kind of hammer that in, that it is important that we see God as our our refuge. And then Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, and is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to a slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors, Through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything in creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. There's one refuge for our soul. True everlasting refuge is found through Christ, and he's our refuge for eternity. But he's also our refuge while we're here on earth which leads us to our second point I know that was a, a seemingly long first point there uh, we would jump into our second point so we look at God is refuge number one number two God is purpose psalm 57 verse 2 and I know different versions so ESV NIV they all have kind of a, a different word here but the premise is very much the same where in verse 2 he says I cry out to God most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. So we look at God fulfills his purpose for David. So what was God's purpose for David? God clear, or David clearly believes that God will save him from the situation he's in presently because his purpose has not yet been fulfilled. And so we're going to jump to 2 Samuel 7, verses 8 through 17. So 2 Samuel 7, verses 8 through 17. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture following the sheep so that you should be prince over my people of Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and I have cut off your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people in Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more. For the time has come that I appoint judges over my people of Israel and I will give you rest from your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares that I will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. So we see here 2 Samuel 7. It, it, the chapter actually starts out with God telling David, hey, I want you to build me a house out of cedar because I'm tired of traveling in, in tents and, and being worshiped in these tents as the people of Israel constantly moving. So he says, build me a house from cedar. And then jumps into this, where he says, God has been with David since he was tending sheep in the pasture. He's been with him through every battle. He's been with him against Goliath, and he's kept him safe from harm that his enemies were trying to bring. God promises to David and the people of Israel, rest. And then he promises them rest and then a lineage. And that lineage leads to Jesus. God says he wants to build a dynasty through David that would lead God's people for generations. That promise from God to David led all the way to Christ. The Lord fulfilled his promise to David, even if it was after David's death, after he lies down with his fathers before him. God fulfills his promise to David And David's purpose on earth Was to be faithful to God To trust God's plan and provision And ultimately glorify God with his life David knew his purpose And David clarifies We see this in Psalm 57 By calling him God most high There is no one greater than God There is no purpose Greater than God God himself was The purpose for David And so I think, you know, this kind of leads into today, right? I think Christians and non-Christians can all agree that life is better when you have purpose. There are multiple studies that show people with purpose live longer, they live happier lives, they have better relationships. Purpose is important both in the life of a Christian and a non-Christian. And so in 2018, There was a study titled, Where Americans Find Meaning in Life. They surveyed 5,000 adults from all over the United States, all income levels, multiple ages, and they had two sections. They had an open response section and they had a multiple choice section. Here are some of the results from the open-ended section. So they would pick out keywords and and try and pick up on trends so that they could see uh, common themes throughout the responses. First. The most popular answer for where you find meaning in life was family. Family was mentioned in over 70% of the open-ended responses. One in every three responses brought up money or career. One in every 10 responses brought up learning. So the purpose of life is continual learning and and growing in knowledge. Less than 5% of the responses Mentioned Jesus or Christianity in any capacity. And then here are some of the responses from the multiple choice questions. Family was also the top choice in multiple choice for meaning and purpose in life. Households with a high level of income, so I believe it was like 75K or greater annually, uh, over 20% of those people mentioned the purpose in life was good health. Right after that, Right after family and right after good health, the top choices were friends, music, art, and taking care of your pets. Uh, religion ranked right behind listening to music and reading books. And that's all, all religions that, that could have been a part of this response. For the majority of, you know, majority of these responses, I don't think in and of themselves were bad things. Uh, besides, there's one person who said, the purpose of his life was to dry out plants and make costumes out of them. So that's not, probably not the best <laughs> purpose there, but most of the responses in and of themselves were not bad things, you know, family, friends, uh, even careers, you know, things that you find enjoyment out of. But I don't think any of them truly provide an eternal, all-encompassing purpose. And then an interesting thing after the study they they did a follow-up with the same people um, and they did this follow-up in the fall of 2020. So this was after the pandemic and after the COVID pandemic started the amount of people who would say that they think about the purpose of their life daily, weekly, monthly, or annually has more than doubled when compared to 2018 pre-pandemic. I think that's really important for us as the church because I think people are thinking about their why now more than ever. I think it's extremely important that as the church, we know our reason why. We know why we're here, and we know what we are doing. We know our purpose. I also don't want to glance over this, and, and this is, yeah, I don't want to glance over this, but there were a significant portion of people throughout the survey who responded, I don't know. So they were asked, what gives you meaning? What gives you purpose? And they responded, I don't know. And I think if we were honest with ourselves, there's probably a lot of us in the church, in Covington, in northern Kentucky, who would also say, I don't know. And I think that the enemy, I think that Satan wants you to say i don't know my purpose i think saying that i don't know my purpose or maybe i don't even have a purpose i think that's a lie straight from hell everybody has purpose you're created in the image of god and you have meaning and you have an eternal calling and you are loved beyond all measure so i didn't want to glance over that there was a, a lot of people who responded just saying i don't know but it is amazing to see on this list how many things are fleeting. Like I said, they aren't bad in and of themselves, but they aren't enough for purpose. You know, throughout the semester with our our students in Philippians, I'm going to put them on the spot here, Noah, Tucky, DeMarcus, you guys, we studied Philippians. And in the beginning of Philippians, we learned that to live is, there we go, there we go. So we studied to live is Christ. And we asked our students, and they were super, super honest with us, Right now if you said to live is blank, what is that response? And a lot of them said, similar to this, family, football, basketball, you know, school, getting to the next level of college, things like that. So we spent all semester studying. What Paul is saying through Philippians that to live is Christ. So lucky for us as Christians, as our students at Redemption Church, um, as all of us in the church, We don't have to guess what our purpose is. Our purpose isn't fleeting, our purpose is eternal. And our purpose on earth is God. God is the purpose for us. He is our purpose and he is where we find meaning. So I wanna look at a couple New Testament passages here. So we're gonna look at Philippians 1, 19 through 30. And we just touched on this verse a little bit here. But jumping into Philippians 1, 19 through 30. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Let's remember here, Paul is writing Philippians from prison in the same way David was writing Psalm 57 from a cave. I think that context is important. As is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. Because of my coming to you again, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I have come and seen you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and hear that I still am. Like I said, Paul is writing that from prison so we're going to keep moving through this and I think you know we we have to realize that our purpose is God and I want to share a couple quotes here Um, it's an older book but a very powerful short book called don't waste your life by John Piper and in that book he says desire that your life count for something great long for your life to have eternal significance want this. Don't coast through life without passion. Are we coasting through life without passion, or are we looking to make an eternal significance? John Piper says again, God created me and you to live with a single, all-embracing, all-transforming passion, namely a passion to glorify God by enjoying and displaying his supreme excellence in all spheres of life, work, school, relationships, house, neighborhood, all spheres of life, our purpose is to glorify God. And then lastly, he says, the greatest cause in this world is joyfully seeing people rescued from hell, meeting their earthly needs and making them glad in God and doing it with a kind, serious pleasure that makes Christ look like the treasure he is. When you live with purpose, people around you are going to see it and people around you are going to notice so we're going to move on to our third point which is our most important point today so looking back number one god is our refuge number two god is our purpose and number three god is our salvation so psalm 57 three through six He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. David has faith that God will save him from his enemies. And he believes that God will send from heaven to save him. And he will send from heaven out of his steadfast love and faithfulness. So, one thing that I think is is important to look at refuge and salvation. There's some similarities, I think, in, in how we describe them and how we see them described throughout Scripture. But I really believe that they're, they're very different while they go hand in hand. Without salvation, there is no refuge. Let me, I, I want to repeat that. Without salvation, there is no refuge. So our first point, our second point, and then eventually our fourth point They don't really matter unless we get this point three right. Unless we have salvation right, then God is the rest of these for us. David's physical body was rescued by God multiple times throughout his life. I mean, we see David versus Goliath. God uses a a rock, a pebble, to provide salvation and safety in that moment for David against Goliath. Here, versus Saul, trying to kill him. Throughout his reign as king of Israel, we see God protect him from so many enemies. We see God protect Israel from so many enemies. But in the same way that this cave is a temporary refuge, God saving David's body from Goliath and his enemies is still just a temporary salvation. Luckily, David's soul is, has eternal refuge because of his relationship and the salvation found in that relationship with God. And David says, My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. They set a net for my steps, and my soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they fell into it. David was surrounded by danger. I've said this a, a couple times now, but we hear again, desperation in David's voice. He says that my soul was bowed down. He believes that God is going to save him, but he acknowledges those threats around him, even to the point of his soul being bowed down. In the same way right now, we are surrounded by things that are seeking to kill and destroy. We are surrounded by danger and things that are trying to bring us death. I want to look at 1 Peter 5. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then we see Ephesians 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil. Much like David, we are surrounded by threats. But we've already fallen into those nets set by our enemy. They set those nets to trap and entangle us, and, and it's worked. We've believed lies from the enemy. We've believed lies from sin. Our souls are worse than bowed down, how, how David references himself here. Our souls are worse than bowed down. Our souls have been dead. David's body was hiding in a cave, and his soul found refuge and salvation through God. And a lot of us, I mean, especially here and now, you may not even realize that you are surrounded by threats that are, are trying to attack and destroy your soul. You may be living in the most comfort. You might have more wealth and surplus than ever expected. You might have great happiness, great health, great career, all of these things. But whatever the case may be, without God's salvation, our bodies can be in the best place on earth. They might not be in a cave, they might not be in prison. Our bodies can be in the best place on earth but our souls are in a coffin without Jesus. So I want to say our our bodies could be in the best place, but our souls are in a coffin without Jesus. Thankfully for us, not only did God send from heaven to save David, he sent from heaven to save every single one of us. Through his steadfast love and through his faithfulness, he sent his son Jesus. Salvation came down from heaven and lived a perfect life and then died the death that we deserved because of our falling to sin, because we fell in the trap set by the enemy. We deserve that death that Jesus took. He lived a perfect life, took on that death, and then rose from the grave to defeat the enemy, to defeat sin, and to defeat death. And through that action and through a relationship with him and the salvation found in Christ, we're offered refuge and purpose. And again, I don't, I don't want to overcomplicate this third point. Um, I don't want to talk too fast through it. Um, but really, it's, it's the purpose of why we do what we do. It's the purpose of why we gather together it's the purpose of why we live the way we live. It's the purpose of everything that we do in this life. So we have a lot of other points and other things we're walking through today, but this is the one, the most important thing to get right. Salvation is Jesus taking on our sin and the death that we deserved, and offering us eternal life through a relationship with him. When you realize that your soul needs refuge In the same way that David's did And in order to gain that refuge You start with Jesus You start with the salvation found in a relationship with Christ Remember how we started Psalm 57 David says, be merciful to me, O God Be merciful to me If you haven't found salvation in Christ yet Why not now? And why not today? If you realize your soul needs refuge, the eternal refuge only found through Christ, all you have to do is cry out, God, be merciful to me. I believe that you sent your son and he lived a perfect life and then that he was killed in my place for my sin. And I believe he rose from the grave, defeated sin and death. And because of Jesus, I have life, I have purpose, I have refuge, God have mercy on me. And so lastly, we have, so we got, God is refuge, God is purpose, God is salvation, and lastly, God is joy." So Psalm 57 verses seven through 11. "My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. Last night, um, we had the, the great privilege of going and watching FC Cincinnati. I don't know if you all know this, but Cincinnati has a very good soccer team. Um, they're still pretty new, I think 12 and one. Um, but uh, me, Rachel, Blair, we got to go and watch FC Cincinnati. And you know what's not hard? I'm not, even, I'm not even really a soccer fan. It was not hard to go crazy when FC Cincinnati scored a goal. It's easy to celebrate, to cheer, to get loud and start yelling. It was very easy to join in on that. But then you see the opposite. The other team scores or the other team pushes one of our guys to the ground. It's really easy to get mad. It's easy to yell at the refs. It's easy to you know, yell at fans of the opposing team. It's really easy to, to flip between joy and, and you know yelling and being so happy over this goal to being angry. And so I think we wanna keep perspective of the difference between Excitement, happiness, that temporary joy, and what we're seeing demonstrated here by David. Again, like, like we've covered, he's in a cave, scared for his life, and he cries out to God, and then that shifts to praise. He's joyfully worshiping in a cave while people are seeking to kill and destroy him and to stop him from the promises that God set before him. Joy is not found in our surroundings. Joy is found in knowing God, knowing Him as Savior, knowing Him as refuge, knowing Him as purpose. And we see that God is joy for David. What an incredible perspective on life. Realizing that this trouble, even big dudes with spears that have commands to come and kill you, this world with trouble is fleeting. I think that's a reminder that all of us need the the troubles that we are guaranteed to face, the hard times we are guaranteed to face. It's all fleeting, but joy in the Lord is forever. In a similar fashion, like I mentioned in Philippians, we see Paul writing from prison, and I want to look at Philippians four, four through twenty. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly, now at length that you've received your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, Paul, who's in, in prison. But you had no opportunity not that I'm speaking of being in need for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content I know how to be brought low I know how to abound in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble and you Philippians yourself, knowing that the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. I have received full payment and in more I am well supplied, having received from Ephorodius the gifts that you sent and fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To God our Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Many of us are, are hurting, and life has a, a way of beating us down, throwing punches after punches, and it's easy to wallow in that hurt. It's easy to, to find self-pity, and it's a It's okay to mourn. It's okay to grieve. And it's okay to cry and go through hard times. But we see both David and Paul say rejoice. Find joy in the Lord and what he's doing. Find joy knowing that you have eternal salvation. You have eternal refuge. And you have eternal joy offered to you through Christ find joy find purpose and find refuge through the salvation that is offered by Christ so in conclusion our four points today are God is refuge God is purpose God is salvation and God is joy and looking at at point three um if, if that prayer that, that we walk through, if, if, if looking for a relationship with Christ is something that you're wrestling with, come and talk to us. If it's a prayer you've prayed, come and talk to us. Um, if you want to wait until Ben's back next week and talk to him and said, come and do that. Um, we are excited. We are praying for people's salvation. We are praying for people to know Christ. And our last point, Christ is joy. So let us joyfully worship together as as we close out Um, so let's sing and worship um, this last song here so I'm going to pray for us God I I thank you for today Um, God I thank you for the way that you speak to us through David's life um, through Paul's life God through your word God I pray that people come to know Jesus God I pray for salvation God, I pray that we find purpose and joy and refuge in you. And it's in your son's name I pray.